I'm Lucy. And I'm Michelle. Welcome to yet another episode of Tudoriferous, the biographical podcast that examines lives in the Tudor era. And today, we are continuing with Ambassador Rodrigo de Puebla. Well, before we start, we've got a quick announcement. We're going to be part of the Intelligence Speech Conference this year. Yes. Well, Lucy is. Well, (laughs) to be accurate. (laughs) Representing the podcast. (laughs) It will take place online on November the 4th, 2023, between 10am and 6pm Eastern Standard Time. And I think that's 3pm to 11pm Greenwich Mean Time. And you have to work it out for wherever you live, because... (laughs) Can't do them all. <laughs> Three hours less for me. You can order your tickets at intelligencespeechonline.com. And if you quote the code TUDOR, you will get a 10% discount. Yay! The theme this year is contingencies when history meets a backup plan. Aren't most things end up as a backup plan? <laughs> <laughs> Just start listing them all off. <laughs> this will take some thinking about <laughs> Oh, and another thing, you have probably noticed that our jaunty little quiz tune is missing. And we've decided to knock the quiz on the head for a while, because since I'm doing all the episodes at the moment, it would have meant that Michelle would be doing all the quizzes, which doesn't (laughs) seem fair. Please, no. So we'll bring it back when it all gets back to normal. Yes, please. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's my least favourite part. Right, just let it drop. (laughs) I always sound so dumb on the quizzes. I do know stuff. I promise I do. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard to remember. I think you're concentrating so much when you're listening to it so as not to suddenly come in with the wrong Margaret or say, who was that again? Yes. You don't always get the whole picture of it. And so at the end, I mean, without needing to go back and listen to it again, that's when you can remember it. It's... Except that sometimes we're recording before it's been published. Yes. So you're just going on what you remember from three weeks ago. Yeah. And you've been studying the entire time. So now your brain's filled with your own things. And chances are we've recorded another cameo episode or special episode or something in between. (laughs) Anyway, that's our excuses. (laughs) So 1498 we got to. The marriage negotiations for the wedding between Catherine of Aragon and Prince Arthur ground on. Mm. De Puebla reported to Spain how delighted Henry had been to receive good news for them. Quote, went next day, Friday, alone to Henry and had long conversations with him before and after dinner. Dinner, you notice. (laughs) (laughs) Delivered their letters and explained them. Henry had enjoyed those letters more than his late victory. Though they were not in Latin, because he always gets very cross with Ferdinand and Isabella because they write in Spanish. They weren't right. writing Latin. Right, because Ferdinand didn't know Latin. Mm. And Isabella had learned, but, but she, she didn't... didn't want to show up hubby. <laughs> I think it was more she didn't want to make mistakes. Right. Latin's easy to make a mistake in. Mm. At least I've found that. But I suppose no, but it I'm... then meant that... Henry only got to hear what they'd written via De Puebla. He couldn't get it straight from the horse's mouth. Oh, right. I'm guessing. Hmm. The king told him to return the next day. Here, Miss De Puebla. Always talking in the third person. For lunch? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Saturday. 
to the palace, for he could not hear their letters read often enough. Henry had two other audiences on Saturday, but afterwards passed four hours with him, the Puebla, in conversation, at which the Queen and the mother of the King were present. To hear what they spoke of your highnesses and the Princess of Wales was like hearing the praise of God. Gave the Queen two letters from them and two from the Princess of Wales. The King had a dispute with the Queen because he wanted to have one of the said letters to carry continually about him. But the Queen did not like to part with hers, having sent the other to the Prince of Wales, unquote. <sighs> oh, how ridiculous. So they're actually bickering as to who could hold on to the letter and put Jeez. it next to their heart. That they can't read because it's in Spanish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's a happy domestic scene at which the Puebla appears to be very welcome. Yes. Well, that's what I noted about when I was doing De Ayala, was one of his gripes was that De Puebla got to spend hours with Henry, usually mm. around food, but De Puebla got to go hunting with him. Mm. Well, I wondered if that was the case or whether that was how he presented the scene to Ferdinand and Isabella. Look how much I am welcomed into the family. Whereas maybe I'm Henry just said, it's... what you brought? Letters? Fine, leave them there and push off. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think so because De Ayala seemed quite put out. About the fact that he was there. But de Puebla was the English ambassador. They're like you children, those two. What a ninny. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> 1499. Second proxy wedding, 19th of May, at Tickenhall Manor, Budley. This one actually went through the wedding rites themselves. De Puebla stood proxy for Catherine again. I was thinking, if he'd known what trouble she'd cause him, would he have bothered? Ugh. I don't know. His loyalty never comes into question. No. Or at least not well, that I know of. We'll see when you get there. Junior Fox in Sister Queens described him as beaming and simpering during the ceremony. But I'm not sure where she got that from, but I can sort of see it. Yeah. She's, he's just sort of over-ingratiating and just really... Really pleased to be part of things. Yes. Well, also, that's the only way he's getting money, because right now he's still not getting paid, is he? No. 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 Yeah. Later, Henry told de Puebla that he and the Queen were, quote, more satisfied with this marriage than they would have been with any great dominions they might have gained with a daughter of another prince, unquote. Which is sort of damning with faint praise. You know, we could have done better, yes. but we're really quite pleased with this one. Yes. De Puebla wrote, quote, to describe all the honour shown to him, De Puebla, would be impossible, was as proxy to the Princess of Wales, placed at the table above the Prince of Wales and at his right hand. All the dishes were presented to him, De Puebla, first, and in general, more respect was paid to him than he'd ever received in his life, unquote. Ooh. So that does sound like simpering, really. Yes, we should mention that when things are presented at table at any sort of food banquet, we mm. think of a banquet of a whole bunch of people, but for them it was just they continually brought in dishes. They were presented to the highest ranking person who would take their cut or just approve it. And if they wanted to be really, really kind to somebody, they would offer it to somebody first. Mm. I've seen that in a few recreations of somebody's done really well like if you're in a tournament the person who won the tournament gets first offering but it's still presented to the highest ranking person or the person with the most honor at a banquet it's a very 
formal way of eating that we don't do anymore. Thank goodness. I was just yes. thinking, it's a bit bit like, I don't know whether restaurants do, if you don't go to restaurants, but they remember they always poured a little bit of wine into the man's glass so that yes. he, could, he could check it was okay for yes. the little lady. Yes. There's still a certain hierarchy hung on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a lovely, a lovely scene of De Puebla and the royal family. But at the end of the year, Perkin Warbeck and Edward, now I have a special friend, Pantagenet were tried and executed. So that's sad. I wonder if that was discussed over dinner. I don't see why not. We'll do the marriage, but you have to kill these people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and pass the peas. Yes. <laughs> De Puebla, writing to Ferdinand and Isabella, wrote... Quote, there have always been pretenders to the throne. More than that, there have been a number of contesting claims to the English throne and of such quality that the matter could be disputed between the two sides. Now it pleaseth God that all should be thoroughly and duly purged and cleansed. I don't like purged and cleansed. Ooh, no. There remained not a drop of doubtful royal blood, unquote. And he added that he should stop going on about the two executions since he'd written about them so often recently. I wonder why he's become why has he become so obsessed with them? Was it because he got to know Perkin Warbeck at court? That's yeah, he'd been chatting a few times. So you know, it's pretty unpleasant watching someone you know being hanged. Oh, or I was wondering whether he could suddenly foresee a lot of the problems that have plagued him about this royal wedding, sort of lifting off his shoulders at last. Maybe, yeah. except you still have some claimants floating around. Yeah, but you got rid of the two two big ones at the moment. Yeah. In fifteen hundred, De Puebla received this rather nasty shock from Ferdinand and Isabella. Quote He, De Puebla, has told them in all his letters that the conditions of the treaty, which he has now concluded with Henry, are much more favourable to them than the conditions of the treaty which was concluded some years ago on the same subject. Have believed that he told the truth. Their Secretary of State has been unable to judge of the alleged improvements because he had never seen the first treaty. They had, therefore, signed the second treaty. But when beginning to execute its stipulations, they sent for a copy of the first treaty and then, on comparison, found that the second treaty does not only not contain any improvement, but on the contrary is much less favourable than the first. Oh, dear. As he has pretended that he has introduced many improvements into the second treaty, it is expected of him that he will at least repair the errors he has made. An additional treaty must be concluded, unquote. So that's a bit awkward. <laughs> yes. This one's much better. Well, let's compare it. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, imagine getting that letter. <laughs> think, oh, God, what did the two treaties say? What have I done? <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Well, de Puebla sought to justify himself by sending, quote, a paper containing two columns, one placed opposite the other. The first column is headed, this is the clause as I concluded it. The second column is headed, this is what your highnesses desire. If you compare the one column with the other, you will find that they are identical. The text of this column is the same as that of the first column, except that the words are added, quote, and each of the contracting parties is at liberty to assist the said princes in defending their kingdoms and dominions, unquote. I don't think there was another treaty, so I'm guessing that this must have mollified them. Yeah, you asked for this, I gave you this, what more do you want? Yeah. 
scathing. Horrible to get that letter. Just yes. something to think. Oh, I'm not getting paid anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> In June of this year, De Pueblo sent Ferdinand and Isabella a list of what was needed to be done. Quote, what he begs the King and Queen of Spain to do is, one, to send the Princess of Wales to England as soon as possible, accompanied by a great many persons of high station and dignity. Two, to do what he has requested concerning Don Pedro de Ayala. So that old chestnut is mm. get him out of the country. Three, to write a letter approving the inclusion of the kings of Scotland and Denmark to the alliance. Does Denmark know that they're being added <laughs> to the alliance? They don't need to know. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Four, to, to send a commission to decide the disputes between Spanish subjects in England. And five, to pay his salary, unquote. <laughs> I need money. Yes. Well, Ferdinand and Isabella complied with item four. Quote, give to De Puebla, their trustworthy and truthful ambassador in England, power to compound and decide according to law all civil and criminal causes concerning Spanish subjects residing or staying in the dominions of King Henry with all the rights and emoluments that belong to civil and criminal jurisdictions. All Spanish subjects are ordered to obey his orders and decision under heavy penalties, unquote. So I thought that was quite interesting because an ambassador from Spain was being given jurisdiction over people living in England and the right to punish and... Spanish people. Spanish people. But but they are living in England. Yes. How... I wonder how that legal arrangement came about. Yeah. And is that how he started getting paid? Because they said he was giving (laughs) legal advice to them. And really, is he just extorting money out of them? Well, you couldn't blame him if he were, really. (laughs) He's got to to live. He's got to eat. Yeah. He's got the the eating sorted, yes. (laughs) I doubt they did anything about item five anyway. No. Uh, and evidently they didn't, since later that year, De Puebla wrote, has seen with great pleasure that Ferdinand and Isabella have ordered the treasurer, Morales, to send him a bill of exchange for the sum of 200,000 Maravedis as a portion of the salary due to him. But neither that nor the other bill of exchange for 200,000 Maravedis ordered in Madrid has come to his hands, is in great pecuniary difficulties begs that his salary may be paid. You know already how much the King of England urged me to accept a bishopric, offering to procure for me all such dispensations from the Pope as might be necessary. I could not prevail on myself to accept it, and when the King saw that all his persuasions were in vain, he and the Queen spoke to me for a long time on Twelfth Tide Eve about my personal affairs. They asked me to accept a rich match for them. If I'd accepted either of these offers, it would have placed me in different conditions from that in which I am at present." Other Spanish ambassadors have acquired riches, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Della. Ferdinand and Isabella had their suspicions of De Puebla. As indeed sounds like you have. (laughs) I think I feel he's so put upon that I'm willing to see see the good side of him, him in all ways. But it's quite possible that he's just, he's completely manipulating everybody. We just don't know. They wrote to their ambassador, the Knight Commander of Harrow, and I'm not sure who that was, but he is in England at the moment, along with, seems virtually every Spanish ambassador, (laughs) with their suspicions of both de Puebla and of Maximilian. Quote, do not doubt that Henry, in accordance to his virtues, and especially his faithfulness, 
will fulfil his promises respecting the marriage between the Prince and Princess of Wales. But it may be that the King of the Romans is endeavouring to undo the marriage in order to conclude another marriage for the Prince of Wales. And it's not impossible that the King of England, from certain considerations, might enter into the plans of the King of the Romans. Oh. So it's still all a bit dodgy, given that they've had two proxy weddings. They yes. still don't believe, they're not 100% sure it's going through. The, they carry on. The King of England has said nothing which could justify the suspicion that he intends to break off the marriage, which has already been agreed on. Nevertheless, it is necessary to warn him. Neither Dr. de Puebla nor any other person in the world must know anything about their suspicions or about this, these instructions. Which is odd. He's their ambassador. Yes. He, that's the Knight of Harrow, or the Knight Commander of Harrow, How must... do you figure this out when de Puebla is also referring to himself as he? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you have to keep going. For... That's why I put it in brackets, who's, who the he is at each time. <laughs> he must be continually on the watch. As soon as he, the Knight of Harrow, hears anything to justify what they suspect, or as soon as he observes the negotiations contrary to the marriage of their daughter with the Prince of Wales are being carried on, he must write to them and do all in his power to frustrate the negotiations. They are satisfied with what de Puebla has hitherto concluded with Henry, but as de Puebla is said to be entirely under the influence of Henry, and to do nothing but what he wishes, he, the Knight of Harrow, <laughs> must watch him, de Puebla, also every day during his stay in England and see whether he does his duty. He must, in all conversations with the king, with de Puebla and with all other persons, speak of the marriage as a business perfectly concluded and sure, and say that preparations for the journey of the Princess of England are already in the making. In a secret letter he must inform them whether there is anything said in England about another marriage, and whether de Puebla be a faithful servant of theirs. Really? So... More secret letters going on behind de Puebla's back. Their own ambassador. <sighs> it's hard. He, he's there for 20 years, all, all in all. If they, if they distrusted him that much, why didn't they recall him? I don't know. Instead, they keep sending people over to check up on him. Well, they're getting told by de Ayala that he is not loyal. Mm. So perhaps the reason that kept on going was because they kept hearing from de Ayala, you know, he's not loyal, he's he's a creature of Henry's. And then they send people over and they said, no, he's not, he's loyal. So they're getting both and they just keep rechecking. Well, the last one said that he was a, a thief, an extortionist, he was living in a brothel. <laughs> right, the brothel. You'd have thought they'd have, they'd have said, right, come home now. Yes. After receiving that. So he's obviously doing his job well. Yes. I don't know. It seems very bizarre that they're just putting up with it. And if they're worried about his loyalty, pay him. Yes. <laughs> that would probably increase loyalty. Yes. Well, the Knight Commander of Harrow replied, quote, has seen de Puebla, who is very suspicious and has tried in different, well, he should be, has tried in different ways to discover the real object of his mission. Told him that he had come whilst on his way to Flanders to visit the King and Queen of England and the Prince of Wales in order to tell them in the name of his sovereigns what had happened in Granada. De Puebla was not satisfied with this answer, but made a most searching inquiry into his secrets and asked him directly whether anything touching the marriage was to be transacted. Not wishing to increase the distrust of de Puebla, told him that he was to speak to Henry about the arrangements for the household of the Princess of Wales, because it was desirable to know his wishes concerning the number and quality of the servants who were to remain with the Princess of Wales, unquote. 
They probably know something's up. <laughs> yeah, he's not dumb. No. Definitely not dumb. It must have been very awkward conversations. Yeah. Thinking, Why have I been put in this position? <laughs> yes. I wonder if that's the same as it is now. Ambassadors are all suspected. I don't know. I don't think you'd leave your ambassador in a country if you suspected them. Hmm. Anyway, in December of this year, that year, Henry wrote to Ferdinand and Isabella, quote, informs them that he has learnt that Don Pedro de Ayala has been commanded to leave immediately and return to Spain. Hooray, at last. Oh. Requests that he may remain in England. This is Henry. At any rate, for the short time that will have to elapse before the coming of the Lady Catherine. Asks this because it will be very acceptable to him, the king, Don Pedro de Ayala, being a personage entirely devoted to their service and to his also. Moreover, being as he is, of such singular modesty and probity, as well as of affable and cheerful disposition. I'm he, sorry, I'm sorry, de Ayala, modesty? <laughs> he, he has well fitted to adorn the nuptials by his presence and to cheer the spirits of the young princess. Praise, therefore, that Don Pedro be commanded in no case to take leave until the said nuptials be solemnised, unquote. <gasps> de Puebla has spent years making sure that this marriage goes without a hitch. And de Ayala is the one that gets to go say hi. Yes. Oh. Why? Because he's not of an affable or cheerful disposition. And probably because he's Jewish. Jewish. Mm. Yes. Wow. So he got so close to getting rid of de Ayala and then Henry barges in. <laughs> says, oh, don't send Why are him you away. recalling him? I want him here. He's fun. <laughs> When I read that, I thought, oh, God, poor Dave Pebbler. When he heard that, he must have gone, just gone, said, hang on a minute, I won't be, I won't be second. I've gone into yeah. the other room and just gone, Arr! <laughs> Gosh. <sighs> I did notice that at this point, Ferdinand and Isabella do call Henry brother. Oh. So maybe that fizzled out later when Ferdinand and Henry started driving each other mad. So right. Maybe when Henry was asking Ferdinand to call him brother, he meant, Call me brother again, just like you used to in the old days. <laughs> anyway, things became even worse for de Puebla when he met the Spanish ambassador, the knight commander of Harrow, who was on his way to take a letter to Henry from Ferdinand and Isabella postponing Catherine's voyage to England. Ooh. De Puebla must have considered, A, this was going to annoy Henry. Yes. And who's going to bear the brunt of that? B, that that would now mean that Dayela would be hanging around for even longer. <laughs> C, how come he, De Puebla, knew nothing about this? And D, hang on a minute, why is this man telling Henry and not De Puebla? He's, he's the ambassador. Yes. So he leapt on his mule and headed off to Henry, hoping to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> he leapt on his mule. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking of a mule as being... Sort of the, the size and shape of a Shetland pony. So oh, <laughs> no, they're tall. Yeah. Most, well, the mules I know of are all tall. They mm. take the height from the horse and in some cases are taller. Right. I just have this image of anyone who leaps on a mule as being a bit like Sancho Panza you know, next, <laughs> next to Don Quixote okay. on his big horse. Yeah, anyway, he leapt on the mule and headed off to Henry, hoping to arrive before the courier of the knight commander. And it must have been quite a turbocharged mule because he got there a day and a half before the courier. <laughs> oh, wow. 
He then persuaded Henry to be gracious about this unwelcome news and was then able to write back to Ferdinand and Isabella saying, it's okay, he'd sorted it. No thanks to the knight commander. So, yeah, don't panic. I've, t- I've talked to him. He's all right. So that was quite a good move on Duke Pueblo's part. Yes. <laughs> Getting that poor mule to gallop all the way to Henry. But he was, I think he's feeling at siege by other better paid ambassadors. Yes, actually paid ambassadors. Yeah, yes, yes. Better paid by having some. And inevitably he wrote to them uh, to voice his grievances and told them that he had, quote, served them 12 years in England with all honour and now come men without learning or experience and do all in their power to deprive him of his good name. They attempt to lead him astray in order that he may commit blunders and to tell all the snares that Don Pedro de Ayala had laid for him and indefatigably continues to lay for him would require a long time, unquote. Which was true. <laughs> that was 100% true. It sounds like active bullying. <laughs> yes. On Deyla's part. And encouraging others to follow suit. Yeah, he was not a nice man. And we wonder why he comes across as sour. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He has reason. Many, many reasons. A really awful one, as we'll go into in a minute. Uh, he, well, he continued, as soon as Don Pedro came to England, he turned his, de Puebla's, most intimate friends into his most bitter enemies. Yeah. Don Pedro told them that he put into his own pocket the money that had been sent from Spain as presents for them and other similar bad stories. Oh. He hopes that he, they were order him to leave England. The negotiations with Scotland were finished while Don Pedro was absent in Flanders. So I think, I, th- I think Dayela was getting all the, uh, all the kudos for that. <laughs> he wasn't even here. <laughs> it was me. He was gallivanting. <laughs> Quote, it's not from revenge that he, it's not from revenge that he begs for the recall of Don Pedro. He only wishes that the obstacles which his enemy continually throws in his way may be removed in order that he may the more effectively serve them, unquote. Which is true. Mm. So, yeah, as far as he was concerned, everything was peachy and rosy in his England. And then Dayla arrived and, yeah, charming, charismatic, fun to be with Dayla. He extracted a promise from Henry that the wedding should take place within 12 days of Catherine's arrival. And then Dayla would leave, wouldn't he? (laughs) Hopefully. Please. 1501. Finally, Catherine arrived in England. And the wedding took place, despite one of those rogue ambassadors suggesting they could use the sweating sickness as a pretext for postponing her arrival further, which is sort of ironic in the circumstances. Yes. Yeah, perhaps perhaps they should have done. Presumably, de Puebla attended the wedding. I think he surely must have done, because it stood proxy for two two weddings. And there are no letters to Ferdinand and Isabella fuming that de Ayla had attended and he hadn't got to. So, And we know enough to about de Puebla to know that there would have been had he not yes. got his invitation. So he must have gone. But he must have thought that all his problems are over now. Catherine was finally here. Diana could now leave. Little did he know that it was all to get very, very much more complicated from now on. <laughs> Thank you.
It all started when there was a question as to whether Catherine should accompany Arthur to Ludlow. Henry told Catherine that it was entirely up to her. He's good at that. It's entirely up to you. And then he does pulls all the strings in the background. He would yes. abide by her decision. The problem about her going was that she was already homesick in the opulence of Richmond. So how much worse would she be in the sort of dank, dour castle oh, at Ludlow? Oh, that's why. Well, also, they thought that the young couple would wear themselves to a frazzle having sex as well. Yes. so I remembered that part. I didn't realise mm. that she was... Why wouldn't she be homesick? Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Of course she's homesick. Yeah. They are. I suspect they all are. And they have to go to other yeah. places without their parents. Arthur persuaded Catherine to accompany him, seemingly on Henry's instructions, even though Henry was saying how sorry he was that she'd made that decision. So... I didn't understand what Henry was up to here. Did he want her to go or not? Yeah. I assume that the Spanish retinue was already turning out to be quite a nightmare for Henry. There's factions, there's constant bickering, there's running to him with tales of, oh, he did this, she said that. Really? <laughs> yes. So maybe he just wanted to see the back of the lot of them, but he couldn't say to Catherine's face, just take them all away. <laughs> oh. So we had to pretend to be sorry about it all. Okay. So where did de Puebla come into all this? He had, Henry said, sent Catherine's confessor to the king to tell him that Catherine would have been in despair if she'd been left behind. Donna Elvira wanted Catherine to stay, and she and her husband were furious that their wishes had been ignored. They were people of some standing back in Spain, but in England they're treated just as part of Catherine's retinue, and they're, right. they're a, little, a little annoyed about it. But the fact that Elvira wanted her to stay might well have been enough for de Puebla to say, right, well, in that case, I wanted to go. <laughs> yes, I don't like her. She was. She comes across as quite the dragon. Oh, awful, awful woman. Yes. But it had reached that level that de Puebla would think, right, you want that, okay, I want the opposite. And she was Is doing the that same. that petty? Mm. Another very weird event happened soon after. Just a month after her wedding, Catherine found herself standing before a furious Henry. The king complained to her that de Puebla had made him look a fool. He claimed that the ambassador had tricked him into asking for immediate payment of the final instalment of the dowry, made up of all the pearls and jewels and tapestry and gold and silver plate, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't due for a year. And Catherine's people had refused to hand it over and Henry felt humiliated. Quote, this is Henry being quoted, I am exceeding sorry that I asked for the jewels. I should not like to be held for a person who asks what is due to me before the time. God be praised, I am not in want, and if it were necessary, I could, for the love of them and of you, my lady daughter, spend a million of gold without contracting a debt, unquote. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I shan't, but I could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could afford it, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then he stormed off. How would you deal with that? You're a young girl. You have no idea what's going on. You're not being consulted or anything. You, you have don't no know idea. what he's talking about. No. They probably wrote to Isabella suggesting to her that she approved the claim, but she ignored him, as she often did. So, what, yeah, what was going on? Henry claimed to be embarrassed that he'd been tricked into asking for the jewels, and yet he was still continuing to demand the jewels. How could he have been tricked by De Puebla? And had he... I did De Puebla know anything about this or was he being used as an unwitting stooge for Henry's demands for the jewels? I don't... 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, deep waters in Henry. Yeah. And this can't have helped Catherine's opinion of de Puebla if she felt that he'd just got her into trouble with her father-in-law. I mean, she's just oh, had... Oh, dear. He had warned her about the duplicitousness of the king, but, I mean, she was having to stand in front of him while he had a good rant at her. Yes. So I, I tried to untangle this, but it's Henry, so I couldn't. <laughs> and that's mean of Henry. I think that Henry thought he'd give it a go. He thought it's worth a go. <laughs> but I don't doubt it. <laughs> you know what we can do? <laughs> yeah, it's worth a try. But having been rebuffed, he couldn't then backtrack, so he blamed it all on De Pueblo, as everybody seems to do. Yes. Yeah, that was weird. It wasn't me. Yeah. 1502, 2nd of April, Prince Arthur died. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. It always seems such a waste as much as anything. It really all does. All that time, all that effort. All that training. All that money going into the wedding. <laughs> yes. And he comes across as a genuinely likable kid mm. when you're reading about him. Yeah. Immediately on hearing the news, Ferdinand and Isabella wrote to De Puebla, quote, have read with profound sorrow the news of the death of Prince Arthur. The affliction caused by all their former losses has been revived by it, but the will of God must be obeyed. Have heard that the Princess of Wales is suffering. She must be removed without loss of time from the unhealthy place where she is now, unquote. So that's nice, their nice letter saying how sorry they are. Short time later, they write to him again, saying, One cannot believe that the king would ever fail to meet his obligations to her, especially at a time of such hardship, unquote. Really? So it's already kicking in. <laughs> Except that Ferdinand's also leaving her in the same lurch. Yes, but if you remember, they, Henry thinks it's Ferdinand's responsibility and Ferdinand thinks it's Henry's responsibility. Yes, but it's not being done, so each of you cough up half and you're good to go. Compromise. Look after the poor girl. <laughs> well, the Puebla also warned Ferdinand and Isabella that Catherine had no idea about finance. He warned them that, quote, the princess is very liberal and there are many people who would like to strip her of her silver and jewels, unquote. And the Spanish monarchs replied, quote, he, de Puebla, must write directly to Donna Elvira and tell her that Juan de Cuero must keep all the gold, silver, jewels, etc. of the princess with the greatest care. And Juan de Cuero was the keeper of Catherine's dowry, the parts okay. that are in stuff, not money. Not the smallest portion of them ought to be sold. No new servants to be engaged in the household of the princess. All must remain in the state it is now until the new ambassador shall arrive, unquote. So de Puebla must have first dreaded having to write to that woman again, <laughs> Donna Elvira. Mm. And they must have thought, hang on, new ambassador? What new ambassador? Yes. <laughs> Who's coming now? And why? Yeah. Well, it's the Duke of Estrada this time, and he was sent to England on the basis, seemingly, that you can't have too many ambassadors. And I don't know what his role was, since de Puebla still led the political and commercial negotiations with Henry and his council. Unless it was yet another person to come and keep an eye on de Puebla. Wow. What's the common now? Is it a single ambassador or multiples? I imagine it I probably depends on the place. If it's somewhere, somewhere like America, you're going to have, I don't know. I don't food. know either. Yeah. We're great a... at history. We have no <laughs> idea about current events. I don't have time to, to know about current events. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm stuck in the late 15th century all the time. <laughs> As am I. Yeah, who's our prime minister now? I've no idea. Well, you went through quite a few of them for a little bit. We did go through a lot. We did go through a lot last year. Uh, I do know who the prime minister is before people write in and tell me. <laughs> Ferdinand and Isabella wrote, quote, this is wrote to um, the Puebla, quote, now that Ferdinand the Duke, that's Estrada, who's annoyingly also called Ferdinand, is in England, Don Pedro will not be able to hinder you from creating the new world in the affairs of our service, respecting which you have written to us so many times, unquote. So maybe they were using Estrada as a buffer between De Puebla and De Ayala. Oh, that would make... Just get rid of De Ayala. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the weddings The weddings happened. Yes. He's the Scottish ambassador. Yeah, he's, no. No, he's not even meant to be there in the first place. No. He's only there for his health. And perhaps if he stopped buying quite so much wine, his health might <laughs> and be a partying and getting in fights, <laughs> he'd do fine. <laughs> And he, I wonder, there ought to be a, um, a sitcom, I think, sort of an odd couple type sitcom about De Puebla and De Ayala. Oh, geez, nothing but conflict <laughs> and embarrassing happenings. Yeah. And here we see what become a constant stream of correspondence on a subject we've covered before. For Ferdinand and Isabella to De Puebla, quote, some persons have advised the Princess of Wales not to accept what the King of England has offered her. The advice is bad. She must accept whatever she can get. He must speak to Henry and take care that the king fulfil all his obligations towards the princess. As King Henry retains the marriage portion, he is the more bound to provide for all the wants of the Princess of Wales. Oh, and it's to be hoped that the English will not act dishonestly, unquote. Dream on. <laughs> yes. 1503. Since she first set foot in England, Catherine's entourage had been in trouble. Squabbles between her household officers had emerged into outright factions, headed by De Ayla and De Puebla, who hated, <laughs> who hated each other. <laughs> oh, to De Ayla and Elvira, De Puebla seemed to have gone native. He was servile, he was low-born, and, quote, he was not a good Christian, unquote. But had he gone native, he had developed a close relationship with Henry VII, but... David Starkey has pointed out that he, quote, had come to think of England and Spanish interests were so closely interwoven that by serving the one, he automatically advanced the cause of the other, unquote. Okay. And I suppose if Catherine and Arthur are married, so they will become king and queen, unless anything, yes. unless anything were to happen yes. um, afterwards, after Henry's death, I mean, that they, they should, be, they should be following both Spain and England. Yes. You would have thought. De Ayla had finally left England to take up a post in Burgundy, but the infighting between De Puebla and Elvira continued, and the Spanish were unable to pre present a united front, which was what Ferdinand and Isabella, concerned that the divisions would impede negotiations with the new marriage to Prince Henry, were afraid of. Oh, OK. In April, Isabella wrote to De Puebla, in that direct way of hers, quote, The one is that, as you are aware... You wrote to us that if we would command Don Pedro de Ayala to come here, you would take care to conclude this negotiation to our entire satisfaction and that it should be attended with more advantages to us than in the past. On this account alone, we desired him to leave England. But now we find that ever since he came here, our affairs have been conducted in a much worse manner than they were before, unquote. Dun, dun, dun. 
Yeah. In other words, Diane, you're doing a good job. The Puebla, not so oh, good. Except oh. I don't remember Diane actually working <laughs> in all my research with him. But, uh, I don't think he's so. fun. He's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> And that, as as an ambassador, that might be all you need. Be yeah. a better way to go. Yeah. Rather than... Maybe. Whenever Dave Puebla turns up, maybe I'm going, oh, God, it's him. Yes. Where's Dave Ayala? Hey! Yeah, it's party time. <laughs> what are we doing today? <laughs> it may well have been true that Dave Puebla, you know, everything was failing with Dave Puebla because it must be pretty much impossible for him to work. And it was affecting the negotiations between the marriage between Catherine and Prince Henry. Because if he thought Diana was bad, he hadn't banked on Donna Elvira. Right. Isabella wrote to the Duke of Estrada, quote, The doctor, the Puebla, has sent to beg me to write to the Princess of Wales and to Donna Elvira, asking them to regard him favourably. I will write to him so that as regards what he has to do in helping on the negotiations, he may not consider it as an affront that he has not had instructions sent to him. You will see that they are given to him and do as seems best for the negotiation, unquote. So De Puebla's writing to Isabella to ask her to tell Catherine and Elvira to be nice to him, really. <laughs> They're being nasty. Uh, Please make them be nice. Oh, man. Mm. And Isabel is saying, for God's sake, make sure De Puebla is in the loop, because otherwise we get nothing but complaints from him. <laughs> oh, no one tells me anything. And this is about the time that Elvira temporarily left Catherine's retinue. I wondered if everyone was just sick of her. Probably. Yeah. Get out. Not just causing troubles. Or was this when she was telling Catherine to write to Juana? That's a li little bit later. Oh, okay. Mm. So I wonder if it's, they thought, well, the only way we, we can get rid of the factions is either to get rid of Elvira or De Puebla. We can't get rid of De Puebla. He's ambassador, so, you know, Elvira sling your yeah. hook. 1504. It didn't last long because now Elvira's back in charge and Catherine's back on a short lead. Or leash, whichever you say. <laughs> Even De Puebla, who detested Elvira, agreed that this increased discipline was a good idea. And Henry, he wrote, particularly approved. In fact, Henry had done more than approve arrangements. He'd been secretly lobbying for her return. Oh. Although he told De Puebla that Catherine should not find that out. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed by everyone that it'd be better for Catherine to have the financial restraint of Den Donna Elvira, even if they couldn't stand the woman herself. Because <sighs> Henry must have been thinking, if she spends all this stuff, I'm not going to get any... <laughs> Right. And De Puebla's thinking, uh, Ferdinand and Isabella wrote and told me not to let her spend any of this money. And she's spending it. I'm going to get into trouble. Yeah. Catherine shared the prejudice against De Puebla, although she was likely egged on by Elvira. And maybe she was pre-warned by Isabella before she left Spain not to trust him. How would you feel as a child? Because <laughs> we've got to remember, she's a child. Mm. She's heading into England, and the person you're supposed to rely on to ensure that your needs are met politically, you've now been told you can't trust them. Yes. No, it's not surprising that she relied so much on Elvira. Yes, because your mother oh. hasn't said anything about your duenna, mm. but she has told you the ambassadors not to be trusted. Yeah. 
and Elvira made good use of her reliance on her, didn't she? Yes, she did. Mm. It must have been incredibly hard for De Puebla to just to do his job, since he was constantly being undermined by his own side. And if he did get closer to Henry than perhaps he ought, it would hardly be surprising since the Spanish treat him with such contempt. Also, it was not a good time to be a Spanish converso. And this is tragic. In November, the Puebla's only daughter was arrested by the Inquisition in Seville. <gasps> and we know what happened to Torrigiano under those circumstances. Yes. De Puebla pleaded with Isabella to intervene. He said that he thought, quote, that such an act ought not to have been done without the consent of the Queen, because he, the father, is absent in a foreign country, in the service of his king and queen. He beseeches her to write two lines recommending that his daughter should not be treated with too great vigour. His daughter might be kept prisoner in her own house, and the whole accusation against her thoroughly investigated to the bottom. It's informed that she has not done or said anything that deserves punishment. If, however, his daughter cannot be allowed to remain in her house... She might be kept in prison, but the case might be summarily and leniently disposed of. Reminds the Queen of his old services and how incessantly he has worked in her service and in the service of the Princess of Wales since he returned to England. But if his merits are insufficient to secure a favourable hearing, he appeals to her queenly mercy and clemency. The danger in which his daughter is deprives him of his tranquillity, of his energy of mind and of his health." Meanwhile, we need to remember that it's going to take time for him to get notification that this has happened and time to get the letter back to the Queen. So all this time, what's happening to his daughter? And the Queen didn't reply. Oh, my goodness. And he wrote again, quote, has already written two letters to her on the business, which is above all others dear to his heart. And yet he's still left in ignorance of what she has decided. Mm. They treat their ambassadors horribly. They treat him horribly, yes. Beseeches her to think what a life he must be leading during the uncertainty. This is a case for her queenly clemency, if there be such a thing at all. It seems a bit dangerous thing to say. Reminds her once more of his sacrifices and martyrdom in her service, unquote. Again, the Queen didn't reply. Oh, gosh. And I spent quite some time trying to find out what happened to his daughter, but I drew a blank. Oh, no. Yeah. But he had to get on with his duties in England. No, he doesn't. (laughs) You're not getting paid. They're taking care. They're not taking care of your family. Like, just leave. Yeah. It's worse than not taking care. I mean, (sighs) she's in prison, presumably. How? 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 If I was being treated that way now, granted, I would take a lot more than a lot of people think is good for you. I know because I've been in that situation (laughs) before and I I don't step up for myself. But at that point, I'm done. Mm. I need to get home. My daughter's in trouble. I need to figure that out. You can hire somebody else that you're not going to pay. Yes, but he does seem to be very, very dutiful. What? (laughs) Yeah. I know. That was his belief. <laughs> you do want to shake him now, really. Yes. Get on that boat. Go home. <laughs> yes. Or even just take a leave. Hey, Allah did it all the time. Yeah. But how's he going to pay for his, his voyage? Ah. <laughs> uh... He had to get on with his duties in England, one of which was telling Ferdinand and Isabella that Henry he was keen on the match with Joanna Dowager, Duchess of Naples. And that's the match that the Spanish monarchs hastily set up for Henry when he announced he wanted to marry Catherine. Right. 
But, said de Puebla, Henry wanted to know all the intimate details of her appearance. Quote, for your highness must know that if she were ugly and not beautiful, the King of England would not have her for all the treasures of the world, unquote. And the negotiation about Catherine Prince Henry marriage dragged on and on and on. De Puebla wrote to the Pope Julius II, quote, had written to Pope Alexander VI and Pope Pius III, asking them to grant the dispensation necessary to the marriage of the Princess Catherine of Spain with Henry, Prince of Wales. Both these popes had received his demands so favourably that the dispensation would have been given long ago if they'd not so suddenly died, unquote. <laughs> so that must have been very irritating. <laughs> start, he thinks, oh, we nearly got it out of, out of Alexander, but uh, and he's died. Never mind, we'll get it out the next. He's what? <laughs> he stayed in there about a month, didn't he, before he died? Yeah. <laughs> In March, Catherine wrote to de Puebla, sending him a letter to be passed on to Henry VII, quote, asked him to remind the king of the misery in which she lives and to tell him in plain language that it will reflect dishonour on his character if he should entirely abandon his daughter. Had she contracted debts for luxuries, the king might have reason not to pay them, but such is not the case, has been forced to borrow, otherwise she would have had nothing to eat, unquote. But that was not the way to approach Henry. He didn't like accusations being thrown at him. No, he did not. And almost certainly, Catherine would have blamed a Prebler for having failed to melt Henry's heart. Yeah. And she would have had to rely on Henry since she wasn't getting much joy from her father. Ferdinand wrote to de Prebler in June, quote, He, de Prebler, is to inform the king, Henry, of the pleasure the marriage has given him. Ferdinand, and that the remainder of the marriage portion will be paid in the marriage agreed upon. He must also tell the princess that she ought to revere and be very obedient to the king, as is her duty, and as being the means of making him love her more. As all her expenses and those of her household will be defrayed by the king, Henry, his wishes ought to be consulted in everything, so that he on his part may do all that is fitting. He, de Puebla, must speak with and consult the princess and Donna Elvira about the matter and afterwards attain the assent of the king, Henry, or whatever they think should be done, unquote. So you can guess who Catherine would have blamed for this. Yes. <laughs> well, she can't really blame Dad. De Puebla can't win. No. Ever. No. I would be so frustrated. Mm. Does he die of a heart attack? No. Stroke? No. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't even die of heartbreak and despair. <laughs> or maybe he does. Maybe that doesn't help. 1505, de Puebla was summoned to Richmond soon after Prince Henry had secretly renounced the marriage at his dad's command. He found nobody there but the king. And the king exploded with rage, breaking bilateral trade agreements contained in the Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Spanish marriage treaty Ferdinand had forbidden English ships from exporting goods from Spain, leaving 800 sailors to make their own way back from Spain destitute. Oh. More about it, said Henry. What are you doing about that dowry? And how are they going to replace all those that plate and jewel that Catherine kept frittering away? Quote from de Puebla, the words which came from his mouth were vipers, and he indulged in every kind of passion. But as no other person was present, I did not so much mind his reproaches and quietly left him to spend his rage, unquote. I think that's Dave Puebla in a nutshell, really, isn't it? Yeah. Just just take it. And then leave. 
<laughs> They'll calm down. day or two later, Henry sent him the deer as a peace offering. Or maybe for lunch. <laughs> this will keep him going for a few days, he thought. This will keep him, keep him out of our kitchen. But how angry was Henry really? Or was de Pueblo meant to convey back to Ferdinand not just the sentiments of Henry's speech, but the way it was delivered? Because de Pueblo knew nothing of Prince Henry's renunciation, but maybe Henry VII was creating the situation where a rift would be inevitable. And, okay. Hmm. But I say de Pueblo knew nothing of Henry's renunciation, but this was in the Spanish Canada Rolls. Quote, he declares before Richard, Bishop of Winchester, Bishop Fox, that he has been contracted in marriage during his minority to Catherine, Princess of Wales. As he is now near the age of puberty, he declares that he will not ratify the said marriage contract, but on the contrary, denounces it as null and void. Signed, Per May Henricum Waliae Principem. Unquote. And the people present, also listed, include one Giles Dobney, spelt <laughs> D-O-B-N-E-Y. Yeah, Dobney. Yes. Dobney. Yeah, come on, National Trust. But this, since this was in the Spanish Canada rolls, does this mean that Spain knew all about the renunciation all along? And if so, oh. did Henry know that Spain knew? Do they know that you know, that we know, that they know, that yeah. we know, that they know? Well, that seems to be the case with Henry and Ferdinand, doesn't it? Maybe Bishop Fox was right when he recalled 20 years later that Catherine had been told. Or maybe one of Ferdinand's many spies told him, possibly de Puebla himself. But if he did, the letter no longer exists. Hmm. We should be making a list of all our unanswered questions. <laughs> <laughs> and now we hit the famous instant when de Puebla discovers that Catherine started playing politics. And we heard in Elvira's cameo how she tried to trick Catherine into setting up a meeting between Philip and Juana and Henry. Wouldn't it be lovely to see your sister again? De Puebla had saved Catherine from making a fool of herself over that, but she still hated him and blamed him for Henry's decision to move her and her retinue out of Durham House and into Henry's court. Catherine wrote to her father that she tried to turn the rogue de Puebla into a, quote, true man. Unquote. Oh, oh. Not sure oh. how she managed that. No, because... Hmm. Hmm? In North America, when you say a woman turned him into a man, it means something very different. I, I don't think it was that. <laughs> I don't think so. Either. I really don't think it was that. <laughs> she might have preached Christianity at him, I suppose. <laughs> that would be revisionist. <laughs> oh, dear. She complained that all he'd done was get her thrown out of her home and moved to Richmond. And it was also all his fault that she'd gone down with severe tertian fevers, which usually means malaria, but I'm not sure in yeah. this case. So Catherine demanded that de Pueblo should be sacked immediately. I don't oh. know why she's blamed him for the fact that she's not well, except that she doesn't seem to be a person of the most logical thinking. <laughs> I, does she think she's being poisoned? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. That hadn't occurred to me. 
Because that's the only way I can think of, unless he's throwing diseased bodies into her house. How else do you make somebody sick? I know she was she was fine when she was at Durham House and then she suddenly became ill when she was moved into Henry's court. And then she thought, well, I was fine before. This is all your fault. Oh. Mm. Okay. She is a hmm. teenager, I suppose. She probably just storm off saying, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Never want to see you again. <laughs> <sighs> Catherine wrote to her father to say that she, quote, had not hitherto let him know the state of affairs in England, lest they should have given him annoyance. Had, moreover, hoped they would improve, but each day her troubles increase. Blames Dr. Day Prebler as the cause of them all. Since her arrival in England, has not had a single Maravedi except for food, but neither has he, and her servants have nothing wherewith to buy clothes. Had asked De Prebler to speak to the King of England to allow her to have an old English lady as companion, while Donna Elvira Manuel is absent in Flanders. She obviously thinks Elvira's coming back, well, she doesn't. But it had nothing advantaged her, for he had only negotiated with the King that she should reside in court and her household be dismissed. Begs he, Ferdinand, will send some other ambassador or someone who may ascertain whether she speaks truly or not, unquote. And she goes on, quote, The letter of de Prebler is full of calumny and lies. He, Ferdinand, must not believe them. It is highly desirable that another ambassador who is honest and a truthful servant should be sent to England. De Prebler made her suffer formally, but now he makes her suffer twice as much. Will be lost if she's not assisted from Spain, unquote. Hmm. Well, personally, I, I, I feel that de Preble has been maligned and that Catherine has been turned against him. But what if de Preble is conducting a concerted campaign against her? Does that seem possible? I couldn't see a reason for it, but... No. I, I just thought I should, I, should try and, I should look at it from her side too. I mean, I can see from her side what she thinks is happening. But is it possible that he's doing all these things? I mean, I'm not saying, yes, it's possible that he's giving her, he's giving her malaria, but I couldn't see a reason, a logical reason for it. Unless he was getting back at Don Elvira through Catherine. But that doesn't seem plausible. I can't. No, I just can't. It's more like he's just a scapegoat. Yeah. And she's princess. I mean, she's, she's got the hierarchy on him. Yeah. There's not a lot he can do. 1507, in October, de Preble had written to Ferdinand with his latest thoughts on how to establish some sort of line of influence to Henry. Ten years previously, diplomats had identified a small cluster of people, Morton, Bray, Thomas Lovell, Fox, Mum, who had, his, had the king's ear. Now, according to de Preble, the king had, quote, no confidential advisers, unquote. There's no one whose opinion he trusted or who was privy to his innermost thoughts. He still, of course, had people around him who ran things, but it was the nature of his relationship with his advisers which had changed. A decade before, ambassadors had noted how Henry had wanted to, quote, throw off, unquote, his council. Which is quite interesting, since we saw in Bray's episode that Henry was the first monarch to rule through a council in this way. But now it seems he had thrown them off. And implicit in de Preble's observation was the sense that councillors no longer perform their traditional roles. Even those few men formerly intimate with the king, to whom he'd occasionally opened his mind, were shut out. 
Francis Bacon wrote that nobody was permitted, quote, any near or full approach either to his power or to his secrets. Because de Vere, as we've seen, was appearing less and less in court. Bray was dead. Henry's relationship with Dudley and Empson was very different from the one he'd had with the people who'd been with him in Brittany and had fought at Bosworth. Yeah. Henry was now ill. He had to rely on Dudley and Empson. Hmm. So de Puebla seems to be... He's been, he's been there all along, so he's seen it all change. He's seen everybody sort of drift away and Henry taking things more onto himself and shutting people out. So he's seeing... He's Wow. That would have been fascinating and distressing at the same time. Mm. I wonder if Henry goes a bit mad towards the end. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just yes. (laughs) Okay. I think think we've covered that now. (laughs) Catherine wrote again to Ferdinand, demanding that the increasingly ill de Puebla should be replaced. Ferdinand replied, saying that Catherine herself should be the ambassador and that she should work with de Puebla. Oh, right. So I'm not sure that she was expecting that response, but she she reveled in it. She, She started writing in code. She sent a message to de Puebla, quote, A messenger sent by the little duck to the falcon returned a short time ago, much pleased with the answer of the falcon. The little duck and the fuzako are so contented that they say nothing could better piebald than the fly of with the falcon. Thus, everything is going well now, and it is in the mermaid that it will now be concluded, and the young eagle, unquote. At which de Puebla probably wondered if Catherine had been at Margaret Beaufort's <laughs> Malmsey. <laughs> is she the little duck? I think she must be the little duck. I'm assuming the falcon okay. is Ferdinand. Fazarco... It wasn't translated. It was left for Zarco. And I looked it up and I was sent back to this quote. So it seems to be something that nobody knows what it meant. So any any reference to it is this quote. Mm. So, And now would be a good time to talk about Puebla's, de Puebla's own ciphers. I found a wonderful website that listed them in detail. Uh, it doesn't make for great audio to cover it too deeply. So we'll look at a couple. Some of the codes consisted of little squiggles. But most were Roman numerals, and it seemed unnecessarily confusing. Here is a letter the Puebla sent to Ferdinand and Isabella. Quote, Sends the treaty of CLXXXV, that's friendship, and CCCCXX, letters, of DCCCLXXXVIII, that's the King of England, and D-C-C-C-L-X-X-X-I-X, the Queen of England, and likewise of D-C-C-C-X-C, the Prince of Wales. So it says, sent a very long letter a few days ago, begs an immediate answer. Well, you've you've got to decipher the damn thing first. (laughs) And there are similar codes for all the key players. You've got Maximilian and Margaret of Burgundy and Perkin Warbeck, who incidentally is listed as the Duke of York. Oh! I think they were more convinced than they made out. Or willing willing to be convinced. De Puebla was doing his best to push forward Catherine's own prospects. As Henry embarked on his intensive rounds of diplomacy about his prospective marriage to Ferdinand's daughter, Juana, so the ambassador sensed that Ferdinand might finally be prepared to pay Catherine's marriage portion. 
Trying to smooth the path, De Puebla wrote with practical advice proposing the Grimaldi Bank, quote, for the whole sum of the marriage portion to be accepted in London, unquote. But for De Puebla, he was a player of the long diplomatic game. Catherine's marriage to Henry had become his life's work, and one which he had patiently rebuild after every setback. But Catherine only saw the failures. Hers was, quote, always the worst part, unquote, as she wrote to her father. And she'd had enough. As ever, she took it out on De Puebla. Well, he's the only one in front of her. That yeah. <laughs> you can't take it out on the guy that, you know, may eventually feed you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she can't, she can't shout at Henry because he'd, he'd quite happily let her starve. Yes. Mm. Whereas De Puebla, eh, he's there. Yeah. For years, she'd been asking Ferdinand to recall him. Now she brought out all the old arguments against him. Low-born, deceitful and wheedling. He did no honour to Spain, no to her. The English, she said, found him contemptible, saying that he only came to court for free meals. <laughs> so everybody saw this. Everybody knows. <laughs> and he'd become a laughing stock. Even Henry found the jokes funny. He'd gone native. He was in Henry's pay. Well, he's not in anyone's pay. That's the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and he had done more than anyone else to block her marriage. And he was, besides, old, ill, and, quote, nearer death than life, unquote. Oh. Yeah, and Catherine doesn't come across as a sympathetic character, I don't think. No. Catherine wanted someone else. She wanted, and here's a bit of a giveaway, quote, a good Christian, unquote. Oh. And she asked her father to send a man, quote, who will dare to speak an honest word at the right time, unquote because Catherine didn't seem to realise that de Puebla was practically the only person fighting for her marriage, and he was getting very little help from either father or father-in-law. Oh, goodness. Mm. He had a very high opinion of Prince Henry. Quote, There is no finer youth in the world than the Prince of Wales. He is already taller than his father, and his limbs are of gigantic size. Unquote. So, it sounds a bit freakish. <laughs> yes, it does. Does, but... The first thing I thought of is, oh, he's like a puppy. You know, you figure out how big the puppy's going to get by the size of its paws. <laughs> well, Henry had very large paws. <laughs> In April, de Prebla reported that King Henry had been severely ill throughout Holy Week, confined to his chamber in Richmond, and the Quincy had left him unable to eat or drink for six days, to the point, Ooh. quote, where his life had been despaired of, unquote. De Puebla added a note to show his boss back home how well he was thought of by the king. Quote, Though the king was now better, he still saw very few persons. As soon, however, as the king heard that he, De Puebla, wished to see him, orders were given to introduce him into the royal chamber, unquote. With food. <laughs> <laughs> Bring a plate. Cheese, meats and crackers. <laughs> well, in fact, Henry was obviously keen to hear the news of his pursuit of Juana rather than just to hang out with De Puebla. Right, <laughs> right. I'm having... My brain keeps going back and forth between De Puebla being this emaciated man because he has no food and this fat man because he always shows up <laughs> for mealtimes. <laughs> well, he's very ill now. Ferdinand was up to his usual tricks. De Puebla wrote, quote, Henry was at first very little inclined to consent the postponement of the payment of the marriage portion. But after long and very unpleasant conversations, he was at last persuaded to do so and wrote the enclosed letter. Did not content himself with this letter but asking Henry to write another letter to the Princess of Wales and to repeat in it all the essential parts of his statement, unquote. 
So de Puebla was making damn sure that Catherine should know that this came from Henry and not from de Puebla. Wow. However, all this might be academic since Catherine was then given a rude awakening. She wrote to her father, quote, The King of England has told her very positively that he no longer regards himself and the Prince of Wales as bound by the marriage treaty because the marriage portion had not been paid. She asked de Puebla whether the King of England was entitled by law to renounce her marriage with the Prince of Wales. De Puebla said he was. She begged her confessor to tell her his opinion on the matter. The confessor said that if a marriage treaty were concluded conditionally and the conditions not fulfilled by one party, the other party should renounce the whole treaty, unquote. <gasps> oh dear, she now knows. Yeah, and a terrifying moment for Catherine, because now, who is she? Yes. She's she's the poor relation. Well, she's not, well I suppose she is the relation still. She was married to Arthur. Yeah. Again, she knew who to blame. Oh, jeez. Quote, de Puebla often speaks to her, Catherine, about the good intentions of the King of England, answers him on such occasions that she cannot understand who prevents the King from executing his intentions, except it be de Puebla himself. <sighs> Begs him, Ferdinand, not to believe what de Puebla writes if it is not in accordance with her own letter, unquote. But she's not the only one. De Puebla wrote to Ferdinand, quote, has spent all his property, that's uh, doesn't spend all Ferdinand's property, has spent all his own property, de Puebla's, in the service of the king and begs, therefore, at least that his salary may be paid. It has remained unpaid ever since the death of Queen Isabella. His, de Puebla's, last illness had cost him incredible sums of money. No one in Spain would believe him if he were to tell them how expensive physicians and chemists are in England. Is in great want of money and has been obliged to incur debts. Is in fear of being sent to prison for his debts a thing which nearly happened to the ambassador of the King of the Romans, unquote. Says obviously somebody else who never gets paid by his boss. Yeah. But he's still on duty, and he wrote to one of Ferdinand's officials, quote, has persuaded the King of England, by the irrefutable reasons he has used, to consent to the postponement of the payment. King Henry at last grew as docile as a child. If his marriage to Queen Juana could be concluded, he would be a much better son than the Archduke was. <laughs> The King of England promises wonders and his love is incredibly great. He esteems all other marriage offers to him by the King of the Romans and by King of France as nothing. Well, he does until he knows which way the wind's blowing with Juana and then he might sort of decide he is interested after all. So 1508, we heard that Fuenzalada arrived in England clutching two letters. One saying that he should work alongside de Puebla and the other telling de Puebla to go home. And we left it as a cliffhanger as to which one Fuenzalida handed to de Puebla. De Puebla was dismissed in June 1508, and it was Fuenzalida who delivered his dismissal. Oh! So the other letter must have been quietly dropped in the bin, I think. You don't need to look at this one. Now I'll put it in here. This may have been because de Puebla was in poor health by this time, rather than that he wasn't doing his job properly. Ah, but Catherine was never happy. <laughs> Quote, As Dr. de Puebla conducted the affairs with too great gentleness in everything that regarded the interests of the king, so this other ambassador, Fuenzalida, behaves with too great rigour towards him and his servants. Unquote. Although I think from what we've heard of Fuenzalida, she may have a point because he did the sort of 
treat him mean, keep him keen type of diplomacy, didn't he? Yes, and didn't Henry refuse to see him anymore? Yeah, I think uh, you, you don't talk to kings like that. <laughs> no, if you're supposed to be negotiating with them, they have to be willing to listen to you. Mm. I wonder if Ferdinand sent friends to lead it just to say, look, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, try this one for size. But something happened between her and Fuenzalida since Ferdinand sent him advice on how to deal with the situation, saying that he was, quote, very sorry to hear what had passed, unquote, and suggesting that Fuenzalida beg the princess to forgive him, which is presumably why she gets away with behaving like this. Uh -huh. Ferdinand was less worried by Fuenzalida's hurt feelings and more concerned that they should show a united front to Henry, especially after the Donna Elvira fiasco. And this might have been annoying for Fuenzalida, but it did at least take the heat off De Puebla for a bit. Mm -hmm. 1509, De Puebla died the following April. In England? Yes. I couldn't find the oh. exact date. Henry VII died on the 21st of that month, so I wonder who died first. <laughs> oh. De Puebla didn't live to see the marriage ceremony between Catherine and Henry VIII, after all his hard work to make it happen. One of his sons attended, which implies that there was some acknowledgement was given to all his efforts. And I don't know if this was the one, but one of his sons was chaplain to Emperor Charles V. Oh. So it shows quite an attachment to the Christian faith. Yes. For this third generation converso. De Puebla had remained in England for 20 years. And though there was a succession of additional ambassadors, including Diela, Ferdinand Duke of Estrada, Fensalida... None stayed as long as De Puebla, and none could match him for his understanding of England, its people, and he knew how to get around Henry. He was fiercely loyal to Ferdinand and Isabella, even though they rarely paid him, and so it's no wonder he grabbed his meals where he could. He supported their daughter through all the that time in limbo, when it wasn't sure her marriage to Prince Henry would ever take place, even though he got nothing but abuse from her, and when he asked for support for his own daughter, they didn't even bother to reply to his letter. Yeah. He rarely got praise from his employers. He often got told off by Isabella. He's a doormat. But one person who could empathise with Catherine's financial predicament was Dave Puebla. Because he was in the same yeah. financial predicament. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to go during dinner time. You'll be fine. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll bring a doggy bag back for you. <laughs> Catherine was a person capable of holding a grudge, and we'll see that again and again throughout her life. And yet I felt, I could be wrong, that if Catherine had not been so prejudiced towards De Puebla, she might have realised that he was probably the best friend she had. Yes. He even helped her from beyond the grave. Long after De Puebla's death, a previously unknown document was found by his sons among his papers. When Ferdinand and Isabella had been waiting for the papal bull to allow Catherine to marry Prince Henry, Ferdinand, realising his wife was dying, asked the Pope to send a provisional papal brief to Isabella so that she'd know that her daughter was provided for before she died. And even Catherine knew nothing of this papal brief. It was dated the same day as the papal bull clearing the way for Catherine and Henry VIII to marry. And the interesting thing about this brief was that whereas the full papal bull said that Catherine and Arthur's marriage was quote, perhaps consummated, unquote. Mm. This brief said that it had been consummated. And this might seem to mess up Catherine's argument, given that she'd been claiming that it hadn't been consummated all these years, 
even to her confessor. It goes against Henry saying he couldn't give it because it was perhaps consummated. It wasn't Precisely. clear. The Pope had thought, well, it was consummated, but you can have the dispensation anyway. Yeah, so either way, she had the dispensation. Yeah. 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 And their Pueblo's sons gave it the document to Emperor Charles at the end of 1527, when Henry VIII was seeking his divorce from Catherine. Emperor Charles obviously had a vested interest in all this because he was Catherine's nephew. Henry asked Charles to send him the brief so that he could peruse it at his leisure. But Catherine told Charles under no circumstances to send it because Henry would just tear it up. The Spanish envoy Mendoza reported very excitedly, quote, in it, as in the document, consists the whole of the Queen's right, unquote. And we now know that Henry would happily trample all over the Queen's rights, but at the time it must yeah. have seemed an answer to her prayer. Yes. So she may have had complete contempt for him, but it looked as if de Puebla had just saved her marriage. And yet she didn't appreciate it at all, ever. No, no. And was that just because he was Jewish? Oh, goodness. <laughs> so shall we rate him at last? Yes, yes we shall. <laughs> and fibbly. Intrigue. It was his idea to tell James the Fourth that the Juana they were offering him was the legitimate one. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it was his idea for Spain to use Perkin as a bargaining chip. He sent advice to Ferdinand and Isabella on the best way to manipulate Henry, particularly with the marriage to Juana, the real Juana. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't just following orders. He could be as devious as the rest of them. Yeah. I mean, from day to day, he comes across as, yeah, as you say, a doormat. But we know he's quite capable of a few devious thoughts. Hmm. I suppose he's an ambassador. His his job is deviousness, really, isn't it? Is devious, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm. Is he only doing his job or is he going beyond the call of duty? I mean, that is devious, saying we don't need to tell him which Hoana we mean. And even Ferdinand and Isabella wrote and said, tell him. <laughs> this is going to get awkward. <laughs> he needs to know. Um, I'm going to give him a five because he could have been much worse. More intriguing. Mm. And it might have been better for him if he had been. Yeah. Especially, especially with Dea Maybe he would have been more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mm. going to give him I'm a five. I think I'm going to give him a six because that is so devious. Okay. The bit about about the, the King of Scotland. Anti-peristasis. Rise and fall. Can we count a fall in people's estimation as part of anti-peristasis? And did he fall in people's estimation? Nobody liked him from the beginning. No, he was labouring under a huge problem in this this time of not being fully Christian in their eyes. I don't know. I don't think we can give him much. I'm thinking one. And the only reason I want to give him a one is because he managed to keep his job even though everybody was trying to get him recalled. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't we don't know what he, we don't really know what he was up to before, so we don't know whether uh, being sent to England was a, a huge huge rise in his esteem or whether it's some sort of punishment maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're a horrible person we're sending you to yes, England. Yes, and it rains all the time. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm going to stick with the one. Uh, I might give him a two, actually. I was wondering what to give him at all. But since you say, mentioned about him hanging on in there all that yes, time. with his fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> Clinging onto the doorpost, saying, I'm not going, I'm not going. <laughs> you can't make me. <laughs> Martyrdom. Well, assuming that the allegations are largely false, or, of course, his chronic need for money, which is all Ferdinand and Isabella's fault, I think he was a martyr to his monarchs. Yes. I guess he didn't have a choice. He could only go home if he were called home, I'm assuming. But he carried on working in England while surrounded by people plotting to bring him down for practically no pay. (laughs) And his daughter was sacrificed, essentially. Yeah. And there's nothing he could do about it. He couldn't. I mean, no. He did what he could. He wrote to Isabella and she didn't even bother to write back. Hm. I'm actually going fairly high with this one. Yeah. I'm thinking a six because they prob- he probably would have thrown himself on the flames if they had told him to. Might one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mean, everything in the... In in you would be saying it right. I'm going back. I'm gonna, I I need to be with my daughter. I need to sort this out. But he didn't do it. He, he didn't. stayed in his post, which you might think well more for him. But yes, yeah, six. I think six. Yeah, six. Pretty good. Yeah. Okay, we should probably say that's eleven for amphiboly. That's three for antiparastasis, and twelve for martyrdom. I don't know how famous he is in Spain, but no one who isn't studying the area will have heard of him here. (laughs) (laughs) They'd have no idea. Zero. (laughs) He did have something to leave, though. He left a document that looked as if it was going to save Catherine's marriage. Oh, one. Yeah, one. (laughs) Because it wasn't helpful. (laughs) No, it wasn't his fault that Catherine had married a lunatic. So, yeah, two for Bettine. Two? Flaunt of bleeding flaunt. What did he look like? I have no idea. I could find nothing. I'm not even sure what I'm going to put in the thumbnail picture for the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Just a document. (laughs) A document in Latin. Yeah. Or, um... Yeah. If you check De Puebla, the ambassador, doesn't another one come up later? I can't remember now. It's a while ago since I did check, but... I remember looking him up because I was trying to get some more information on De Ayala. So I was going at it from the other angle and there was another. Well, just like we didn't give Reginald Bray marks for <laughs> there being another one in the 40s. I don't yeah. We can give. Zero. Yeah. There's nothing nothing to look at. Oh, it seems terribly sad, doesn't it? Nobody wanted his picture. Yeah. Nobody thought him worth painting. So that gives him a total of... Not a lot. 28. So, I'll ask the question. Are they too delicious or what? I want to give it to him. You do? If we hadn't given it to Dayla, I might be in two minds, but I'm damned if Dayla's going to get it and Day Pebbla isn't. Okay, you've convinced me. Yeah, you can't. Poor, poor De Puebla. No. We'd be just as bad. He can't, he can't still be under Dayla's De- no. shadow no, after 500 years. <laughs> I agree. Oh, we have to give it to him, if only if it's a sympathy vote. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was scruffy and socially awkward. And yet, I don't know, for some reason, I relate to him. 
So do I, which is why I was like, I wouldn't give myself tutelage. <laughs> okay, we give it to him. Yes. Good. yes. Excellent. Yay. Brilliant. <laughs> I was thinking when I, when I got to that, I thought, oh, I do hope she says yes. I'm not letting Diane get away with it again. You have to put that out for a vote to see what our listeners think. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I mean, they might have thought we shouldn't have given it to Diana in the first place, but what's... <laughs> Ask both. What's done is done. <laughs> what's done is done. Ah, Yay. jolly good. Ooh. i got to go get the Ooh. bag of stuff. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, pulling the new one. Who do we got? Mm. Gosh, I don't seem to have done this for ages. Oh, because well, I didn't no. pull. Yeah, we didn't pull Dave Pebbler for me. They pulled him for you. So it just, yeah, last yes. one I had. Yeah, it was Bray. And we have. Henry Percy. Right. Uh, he was. He didn't move at the Battle of Bosworth, did he? The two things I know about him didn't move at the Battle of Bosworth, died horribly. Or is that. <laughs> They'd say on Totalus Rankium, horribly, horribly. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, Henry Percy, isn't he the one that got beheaded for Anne? No. <laughs> I'm on, yes, I'm on no. the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably his oh, dad. Oh, I don't think he did. Or grandpa. He was the one that was alleged, he alleged that they had had a, a marriage com- um, contract before Anne had married Henry. And they right, were all sitting on him saying, no, you didn't. And he said, yeah, I did. No, you didn't. If you no, know you what's didn't. good for you, you really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. So we're back to, we haven't been out of the country for ages, have we? We spent ages no. in Europe. Yes. <laughs> now, we, <laughs> now we're not yes, there. We can't get out. It's like lockdown. All right. Excellent. OK, I'll give him a go then. That is the end of our episode on Ambassador de Puebla. We hope you've enjoyed it. And will join us for the next episode on, well, it's going to be Henry Percy, mm-hmm. but it could be a special episode in between. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can find details of the podcast <laughs> and contact us on... time. He hath eaten me out of house and home. He hath put all my substance into that fat belly of his. Unquiet meals make ill digestion. Goodbye. Goodbye. from Spain. Oh God, it's Deep Webler here at dinner time again. No one 
say a word, he'll drive me insane. Listen, has he gone yet? No, I can hear. He's still there. Hide the food, keep still now. Maybe he'll just go away. Oh, hell, Lord Dobby sneeze. Now he knows that we're here. Oh, let him in someone. He won't go, I fear. Majesty, I don't mind if 